Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan. And on Facebook at uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Also on uh, Podcast MN, or the new landing spot for Minnesota Podcasts. Also at Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks. Chris, uh, extraordinary tournament, uh, first major of the season. Uh, certainly the... Uh, the winner and all the players kind of bemoaned the fact that there weren't fans there at the event, but uh, what an extraordinary tournament. We kind of joked last week, wouldn't it be great if three or four guys, as they turned the corner on the back nine, had a, had a real good shot at it? Well, we were a little low on our, our wish list there, Chris. Yeah. Three or oh, four wasn't it. near enough. <laughs> it was uh, some incredible golf. It, uh, You know, the, the PGA... It, always tends to be the least exciting of any of the majors it seems like but uh boy this this one was extraordinary and boy with, with four or five holes left to go there there's there's seven guys in the lead tied for the lead and, yeah uh and about 15 guys within uh within two shots so yeah i think dustin was done with 12 and they were uh so yeah five to go for him and less than that for everybody else and uh, scotty right. scheffler was right there with him most of the day, but yeah, with Jason Day, Finau, Paul Casey, Matt Wolf shot a 65. All of a sudden, he finished at minus 10. Boy, has he been playing good, Matthew Wolf. Yeah, he he he's played some great golf uh, yeah. in the restart here, and hasn't hasn't pulled off a win yet. But boy, he's got some some great uh, top 10 finishes, and it seems like you know when he get he every tournament he has a. Uh, you know, a 63 or 64, 65 in there somewhere. So yeah, he can uh, he can make some birdies. Some of these guys, Wolf and uh, Morikawa, they just have uh, uh, ice water running through their veins for young guys. They're they're uh, very confident. Uh, you know, it's kind of that almost. It's not. It's got to be semi aggravating for the veterans. Kind of like Spieth was three years ago, when he was just you know unaffected by everything. But then all yeah, of a sudden yeah. now he is affected. But uh, that's kind of how Morikawa and uh, especially Morikawa in this tournament, right there the whole time. And then just uh, he was the one who uh, came through, hit the award-winning shots on 14 and 16. Yeah, you know, he's, he's won three times in, uh, in the last year. Gosh, two, two times in the last uh, four weeks. So, But he, he played some exceptional golf and, um, you know, it, it just it, the emphasis, especially because of Bryson DeChambeau, has been on on length uh, in the restart, and that, that's kind of the, the the trend in golf in general. But uh, you know, here's a guy who's you know in the bottom half of, of distance on the PGA Tour, right? Had extraordinary had an extraordinary week on the on the greens. Uh, I think he was plus seven or eight in strokes gained putting, which is is quite a number led the field in putting and just a, a great display tough one for uh paul casey a good player 43 years old who's uh of course english fans have always wanted him to to uh, win uh win a big one and he was right there and he he actually never faltered at all really down the stretch played quite well if anybody didn't really get it going on sunday it was dustin johnson he he had the two-shot lead just kind of stayed right where he was all day until I think he birdied uh, 16 and 18, but he was already three back at that stage, so a little late. But the uh, the 296-yard drive on 16, Chris, going to go down as one of the great shots in PGA history, maybe. 
Oh yeah, for the uh, my in the PJ Championship is probably the best shot ever. Uh, but in in major championships, that's going to rank right up there in the top five to ten for sure. And gosh, you just hit an extraordinary drive there, and uh, then makes a beautiful putt. We've talked about the game of inches a lot, and uh, and uh, Deschambeau hit a drive about as close to identical as Morikawa on that hole. It probably hit I don't know six inches from where Morikawa's ball hit, and his kind of ducked to the right just above, just short of the bunker, and Morikawa's bounced straight and had an eight-foot uphill putt for Eagle. So, I mean, the two shots were practically identical, only Morikawa gets the incredible result and then jars the putt. So, game of inches. It takes a little luck. It takes a little luck like they all say. That is right. (laughs) Great guest coming up today, Chris. You got another good one for us. Yeah, Greta. Uh, Ellenson, who is a six-time uh, medal winner in the X Gold or the Winter X Games, uh, is a freestyle skier and, and a very passionate golfer and a big advocate for women and girls girls in sports. And um, I think we'll have a great interview with Greta. That's coming up in a bit. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. You're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ. Also available at Lakes Woods and Irons on Facebook and Podcast MN, a great new landing spot for Minnesota podcasts. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks, and also Holiday Station stores of Cross Lake and Mill Avenue. Next up is Chris's interview with Greta Eliason. Want to welcome to the show Greta Eliason. Greta is the mother of two great boys, a two-time uh, gold medalist in the Winter X Games in skiing. She's the host of the podcast, What's Your Line, with Greta, and was the uh, 16th president of the Women's Sports Foundation. you got a lot going on, Greta. Chris, <laughs> I do, I do, yes. But it's so nice to be on the show. Um, again, I'm so happy that I was able to get on the course with you the other day, or the, the range, and get my golf swing back in play, which was so nice. Um, I'm a mama, too, now. So life has been, it's been different than, you know, the beginning of my pro career, but it's been really great to uh, transition into my new role as well. Yeah, well, tell us about your skiing career first. Yeah, I started skiing in Minnesota up at at, um, Lutzen Mountain, which is near Grand Marais in northern Minnesota. My mom is originally from the Brainerd area, so we actually skied a bunch at Mount Skigal, which is an awesome place. Uh, I still get a pass there every year just because... When I'm here with my family during Christmas, we love to go over there, and the the park is actually phenomenal. Yeah, I just awesome. I fell in love with skiing, super young age. Um, my mom was a super avid skier. I moved to Norway when I was 13 because my dad's Norwegian, and still really excelled in skiing. I played like pretty much every sport there was like for anyone to play, but I just really aligned with skiing. I love being outside. I love that it was like an individual sport, so I didn't have to rely on a team, and I could focus my training all you know on my own and then I was a ski racer and I switched from ski racing to free skiing which is what I do now which is a slope style half pipe big mountain jumping off cliffs like mainly the fun stuff there's no course like the ski racing you have to follow a set path right but with free skiing is you can just do whatever you want and I was very um, successful when I was 17 years old I won the U.S. free skiing open for the first time and then I continued to win it three times over so I won it four times and then I won uh yeah like you said the x games gold medal twice in half pipe and then I actually 
think I have six total X Games medals wow, now. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I still have a, a world record. So I actually, Red Bull was one of my sponsors back in the day, and um, they built me this giant jump called a hip jump, and I jumped thirty one feet. So the biggest that any female skier or snowboarder has ever gone in the air. I, I saw a video of that on YouTube, and thirty one feet doesn't do it justice. It looked like you were three hundred feet. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I mean, just as a young girl skiing, I would always try to find the, the the jump, you know, at my hill, and then I would try to go as high as I could. And I always wanted a photo of myself, like just going really massive. And that was kind of like the point of that whole that shoot right there. Oh, that was very cool. So you you, you, ha, you ha, obviously have no fear. <laughs> I mean, I have, of course I have fear. I'm a mom now, two boys, so like I'm <laughs> constantly on edge and like anxious. But yeah, I was always climbing trees. Um, I would actually like. Uh, shimmy up my family's fireplace and like jump off that I'd, I'd be on roofs a lot so I just was always a, like a kid that loved to play and kind of um just kind of push the boundaries a little bit but not like too far I always knew I could land or whatever it was oh, that's cool well, you know, like you said we had a, a lesson a couple weeks ago and I uh you reminded me that we had a lesson when you were uh you know 15 or something uh yeah. back in my days at Madden's but <laughs> Uh, you know, you, you're such a good player, and you could be a great player if you had the time to put in it. But what are what are the parallels between golf and skiing? You know, both individual sports. and Yeah, I don't know what it was about um, golf that, even when I was a little girl, I always liked going with my dad to the range, and my mom kind of got into it. And I like, you know, going with her and saying, hey, let's go play around. I love the being outside. Like, it's just like you're walking around, like, through the woods, basically, but then you're following a ball and hitting it. I just love being outdoors. Same with skiing. You're outdoors the whole time. And then like the golf part is, I think it's a great balance between extreme skiing and playing golf where I'm like, you know, I'm going kind of wild on my skis, but golf, there's like, there's no real risk of injury. Yes. Like four, you gotta you know, <laughs> duck down. And I mean, there is, there is a possibility that you could get hurt, but it's very, very risk. minimal. Yeah. Very, it's kind of like fly fishing, you know, it's, yeah. So I've always liked golf. It's a, a great uh, mental sport. So it's always been great for me to like find the zone. And in skiing, people have always looked up to me saying like at competition day and stuff, I was always so like focused and not worrying about what my competitors were doing. I was just thinking about my run. And that's how golf is. Like if you get your mind starts wandering, you're not going to play well. But if you can just stay focused and you just, you know, one swing at a time, there's so many parallels. Yeah. But, it, but again, it's a very... Um, neutral like a, a mellow sport compared to my extreme sport right yeah i would i would guess in skiing there's a lot to visualization and mentally preparing and which is such a big part of golf and uh you find that's that's helped you with your golf game i would say for sure like i wasn't even into meditation that much but i was um i was always into golf right so i was always finding that state that flow and then you know when you hit the ball right it's just like that feeling you get it's just and then how do you recreate that every time? So, and I actually, I, I think I told you this, Chris, but I have two hole-in-ones. And I'm <laughs> telling you, when I got those hole-in-ones, I was so in the zone. I wasn't thinking about getting a hole. I was just like, okay, I'm going to do everything perfectly. I'm going to line up. You know, I'm going to, you know, have my ball, my tee perfect. I'm going to have it, everything. I just had everything all perfectly squared, ready to go. And sure enough, it goes right in the hole. It's just like, that's kind of how, I mean, life does work in, different ways yeah. but that's kind of how my success has happened is i've just always done the work to make sure i was in the right place at the right time and then you know staying staying focused 
keep, you know, repetitive is really important to get good at something. And then it just kind of works out when you're in that situation. Like, of course you can jump 30 feet or of course you can land a 720 because you've done it so many times and, you know, you've visualized it in your head so many times. Yeah, that is so, uh, so like golf. I mean, just golf and life in general. But if you, if you, mm-hmm. you just got to put yourself in that position to yep. be able to do it. And I think, yeah, thinking back now, it's like I always think of the ball going in the hole or like, you know, I always think of the ball going in the right spot where in skiing, same thing. I always think I'm going to land, you know, I'm like, this is how this is going to happen. There's no question. I'm always going to land on my feet. Like, otherwise I wouldn't try. Right. That's very cool. You're listening to Chris Foley's interview with Greta Eliasson, two-time gold medalist at the X Games. We'll be back with more from Greta on 1380 KLIZ, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also find us on Facebook at Lakes, Woods, and Irons and podcast MN at Lakes, Woods, and Irons as well. You'll find uh, past shows there as well. Thanks to our sponsor, Mills GM, the home of affordable luxury, the 2020 Buicks. Now back to our interview, Chris's interview with Greta Eliasson. She is the past president of the Women's Sports Foundation, two-time gold medalist at the X Games, and host of the podcast, What's Your Line with Greta? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm a big advocate for girls and women playing golf. And uh, over the years, I've seen, um, you know, what the game of golf can do for girls, uh, both on and off the golf course. And, um, you know, some of our conversations, you're, you're such a big advocate for women's and women's sports. And tell us about your role with the, the Women's Sports Foundation and, and what they do. Yeah, so... Uh, when I was at like the peak of my career, I, I just won X Games, and I, I literally just met this woman at the bottom of the half pipe at, in Aspen at Buttermilk, and she gave me a, a folder from the Women's Sports Foundation explaining everything they did. And I, you know, I was kind of like, oh, what is this? I don't have time to help young girls. Like this, I'm 18, just myself. Like I'm trying to figure it out for myself. But my uh, really good friend and mentor, um, Sarah Burke, was like, Greta, I think you're really going to like the Women's Sports Foundation. You should come to the event in New York City called the salute to women in sports dinner and I was like okay I'll try and when I went I was just blown away Chris it was like all these women that had come before me um Billie Jean King uh Benita Fitzgerald um it was just like all these names of female athletes that have pushed you know their sports and like and actually created a career out of it and I was like oh this is exactly what I'm doing and skiing like I I can learn a lot from these women and then I kind of realized I have been so fortunate where why why did God put me on this earth that I could be really good at skiing? And I grew up in this amazing family where they just brought me outside and, you know, exposed me to all these different sports where I learned through the Women's Sports Foundation is these there's so many girls in America, in America, not the world, America, that don't get the same opportunity as someone like myself growing up in um, rural Minnesota, up in Lutzen, you know. So I just wanted to give back in some way. And through the Women's Sports Foundation, um, our tagline is, you know, creating equal opportunity for girls and women in sports. So that's like, I don't know the number, but I think it's like one, you know, boys get like 20 times more opportunities. Like ask, like, hey, do you want to join the team? Hey, do you want to be on this roster? Hey, do you want to pass the ball around? Hey, you want to go golfing today? You know, so many more times during the day than a, a girl would. So it's just creating more opportunities for girls through um, creating teams to, um, you know, creating pro teams, whatever it is, it's just supporting it. And we're really lucky because right now with social media and like just everyone having a camera, 
it's so amazing how much more exposure girls are getting playing sports. And it's just like, I think it's just going to keep going because, you know, when I was younger, the only way I could get filmed was like asking some professional photographer to film me in my skiing tricks where now I could just ask, you know, a girlfriend or a guy, you know, like, Hey, can you film this trick? And then you post it and then other eyeballs see it because you have to see it to believe it. So it's really important sometimes to see it. Like, to know you can do it so what 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 do sports do for girls why are, why are women and girls that play athletics so more more successful in life well i would just say like think about me talking to you right now confidence you know strength uh time management uh goal oriented it, it really makes you um i just uh, over well or over overall well well um being person where it's just like you just have so much confidence. If you know that you can throw a ball farther than the boy in your class or the, the girl that's really good at sports, whatever it is, it just gives you that, that extra edge where you just, you're not scared of that person to have a conversation with them anymore. You're not timid. It's just like, it, it gives you the confidence to believe in yourself. That's what sports does. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's <laughs> I've just seen so many girls that I've taught on a long-term basis uh, you know, through golf, and some of them become very successful players. Some of them are just casual players, but what it's done for them in school and in their careers, and you know, as they move into their professional, you know, professional careers, whatever their job is, if they have that that those golf skills, they right. they're not left behind in the office when it's time for the golf outing or playing client golf or whatever. And they they just have such a, a leg up as far as networking with other, you know, with their other workers, building relationships with clients and those type of things. Mm-hmm. So it's just such a, um, and socially, it's just such a great game for, for girls. So. Yeah, I mean, and then like water skiing, tennis, basketball, whatever it is, it just like gets you out there. If you're active with someone else and you're like, you're sweating and you're having fun, you're playing a game together, like that's, that's really really fun and it's crazy but seriously there's still young girls in america that never gets past the ball like hey catch no one ever says that to them ever and it's just like that's why it's so important that we continue to do this and continue to be open and you know maybe bring a young girl to the golf course for the first time maybe maybe no one her dad never asked her maybe she doesn't have a dad you know it's like there's all these different different factors that can play a part you know, in in Brainerd, we're we're lucky because we have strong we we have a lot of girls that are playing golf, but if you if you look around the state of Minnesota and elsewhere, you know the numbers of girls playing golf to to boys is you know such a small percentage. And uh, what, what do you think in in the golf industry we can do better to get more women and girls playing golf? Well, I mean, just when you just mentioned the the young girls, like the, the teenage age, you know, like if they don't start playing golf before they're 12, they're probably never going to play golf, you know, especially not through high school, you know, in their like college careers. So it's, it's really important to get those girls out before they're like 12. That's number one. Um, that's how you're going to get more girls in the golf course. You have to introduce them to the game at a young age. Another thing to, I think the question was like how to get more girls into golf, right? Yeah. I think LPGA is doing a great job where there's a lot of female golf on television. And that's like one of my favorite things to watch. And they do really a great job of displaying golf. And I think the golf channel does a great job too, of kind of playing, they play 
pretty much every single professional tournament that you know the big ones that i i've seen and i'm not like a huge super fan of watching golf but i i do turn it on and i i see a lot of women's golf out there on tv and i think that's a great a great step because again if you can see it you can believe it and that young girl is sitting there watching golf with her dad and she's like sees that this um this woman is like shooting this amazing game and then the dad can tell her the story like this is her job she's not just there like she's not you know doing something on the side too that's her job she's getting paid to be the best in the world and to compete against these other women i think that's a really powerful statement is like seeing that absolutely that's great stuff Greta, your your mom introduced me to your uh, your podcast and uh Gosh, I've listened to almost every one of them now uh, since she's done that. It's such a it's such a great podcast. It's called uh, What's Your Line with Greta? And t- tell us about that. Yeah, so I started this podcast called What's Your Line with Greta? It's basically everywhere you listen to podcasts, um, you know, Apple, Spotify, whatever it is. You can even go to my website, whatsyourlinewithgreta.com and find it there. But basically, I've been able to meet all these incredible athletes throughout my career because I was sponsored by Red Bull. You know, Red Bull has a huge roster of athletes. I was very involved with the Women's Sports Foundation, past president. So I just always like got to meet all these incredible people that are like the best at these sports. And I, I wanted to figure out how, how did you do that? Like how, how did you become the best in the world? So that's kind of what my conversations are about. And also, you know, how did you overcome a challenge? You know, there was obviously many challenges in your life, but how did you go get over it? And how are you living life right now? And then, and then I also like uh, kind of having guests on that really think outside of the box. Like they just come up with some career or, you know, a, 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 their line, you know, their line of some, no one would ever think about skiing. They're doing that in life. And how did they get there? And how did they know it was okay to do that? So that's kind of what I go into with my podcast. And I try to keep it short because, you know, moms, number one, don't have a lot of time to listen or do much. So it's just like a quick, like grocery run, uh, 45 minute or less podcast. Uh, it's, it's great. You know, I, I, like I said, I've listened to almost every one of them now. So I'm, I'm a big podcast listener. I, I don't watch too much TV anymore. And, uh, no, same, same thing. Same thing. When I'm exercising or I'm on, on my bike or just getting ready for the day. I'm always, I always got my headphones in listening to some podcasts. So yeah. And it's, it's, I have always loved talking to people and uh, learning their stories and being inspired. And I think that's a great way to do it. No, definitely. You know, you, you just mentioned something, you know, about how do you over, overcome adversity? And, um, you know, I think in the current climate today with, with COVID and being in lockdown and not being able to do so many things, you know, I think so many people are carrying so much stress and anxiety and so many unknowns. What What's your advice to kind of get past some of that? Yeah, I, number one, we're all going through it. Like yeah. before COVID hit, I was so excited. I was ready to go ski and like film my own ski edit, you know, do all my own tricks again and, and film it. I wanted to start commentating a bunch of different ski contests, but all the, you know, the contests the rest of the year got canceled. Yeah. So that didn't happen. So you got to remember, no one's actually getting ahead. So I would just say, try to look more in yourself and just be like, just be okay with, you know, making your meals for the day, getting a little bit of exercise in. But honestly, it's not, no one's getting ahead right now. So just try to be present. What have I been doing? I mean, listening to music, because for me, a big thing is dancing. And that's what I miss. I miss dancing with other people. And I'm just like, I try to dance at least once a day in my kitchen, you know, whatever it is, just to get the energy out. So Mm -hmm. 
try to remember what's important to you and stick with that stuff, but don't feel bad about missing out because no one, no one's getting ahead right now. It's mm-hmm. all about hanging out with family and, you know, calling those friends that you haven't talked to for a while. Yeah. Surrounding yourself with the people that are important to you. Yep. That's great. Great advice. Great, uh, great stuff today, Greta. I really, I really appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, uh, and sharing your passion and knowledge. So thank yeah, you. Chris, thanks so much. I'm so glad we were able to reconnect and I'm glad that golf and you are in my life again. So it's awesome. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Greta. That was Greta Ellingson, uh, world-class skier, mom, and uh, podcast host. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley, Colin McDonald with you. 1380 KLIZ, the fan. Also, uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons on Facebook and Podcast MN, a great landing spot for podcasts. This segment brought your way by Craigans. Great golf and uh, great resorts and uh, great boating opportunities as well. And, of course, great dining opportunities. Lots going on at Craigans. Be sure to... Uh, take advantage of the golf in the next couple of months offered at Craigans. Speaking of golf, Chris Foley, professional at uh, Craigans, is with me. Chris, uh, great segment there with uh, Greta. I wished I could have been in on that one, but uh, had a little, uh, other commitments, so couldn't couldn't make that interview. But a uh, good one. You and I were talking a little bit last week. I was watching some of that uh, U.S. Amateur uh, for Women, and so many of those girls, they're talking about them. You don't, don't know a lot about them because it's the U.S. Amateur. They're all I'm sure there's a lot of future pros there, but yes. so many of them are like, uh, uh, you know, so-and-so. Susie was in gymnastics for until she was 16 and then uh, switched over to golf, and this girl was a track star, and this girl played softball. And now they're, uh, you know, less time on the tee, I guess, is what I'm trying to say, but still uh, turning into great, going to be great professional players. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It, both from girls coming to the game, what you think is maybe a little later. Uh, and then, um, you know, some of these young girls who get so good uh, at such an early age, it, it seems like a lot of girls uh, develop very quickly in the game. And um, I, I don't know why that is, but I've thought a lot about it. And I, it, uh, it's interesting how, how quick some of these girls can get really good at the game and uh you know all those all the girls that you're talking about are exceptional athletes world-class athletes sure yeah uh, in in other sports um and they they take to golf very quickly so it's um it's interesting but uh some extraordinary <laughs> young players out there as, as we talked they bring that discipline with them from whatever uh, discipline they're already in, whatever sport, discipline, whatever you want right. to call it. They bring right. that with them, kind of a professional approach to training and uh, tra- yes. transfer it over to the uh, golf tee. And still young enough. I mean, 16 is not like you're, like you're very old when you're 16 years old and got a lot of athletic no. ability. <laughs> you know, there, there's that... Uh, there's that theory, uh, 10,000 hour rule to become a, you know, an expert at something you have to, you have to put, uh, 10,000 hours in to make that happen. But, uh, you know, at, when you, when you start the game at 15 and you're world-class at 18, I don't think you've gotten that 10,000 hours in yet. No, unless <laughs> they, they may be ahead of the game on the physical training if they get to count those hours from the, their, from yeah, the that, previous. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> And also this week uh, became official. I guess we all had kind of anticipated it maybe, except when they first changed the date. I don't think Augusta probably anticipated, but no fans 
at Augusta and also a different time of year. It's going to be a, an interesting, unique look for people who tune into the Masters this year. Yeah, it's it's really it's uh, from a personal standpoint, it's so disappointing because uh, you know I go every year, uh, but it, it'll it'll be it'll be very different without fans at Augusta because I mean the it, you know the the roars on Sunday and just the the energy level that the the, the patrons create is is so unique and um, so it's going to be different from that that standpoint. I, you know, the, the other side of it that you, that you haven't heard much about in the media is the impact that that's going to have on the, uh, you know, Augusta community. And, you know, it's such a big part of the economy there. Sure. And so many people, you know, the, all the people who rent their homes out and all the, there's, there's a really a cottage industry in the the city of augusta that revolves around the masters and so many businesses their whole year is dependent on that on that one week whether it's you know hospitality or housing or uh, you know things associated with ticket sales and and merchandise and um there's so many things that are built in augusta that are that are virtually only used that one week of the year so it's a huge impact on that. And I, I think that that played a big part in the decision, but unfortunately um, nobody has better advisors or more powerful people than, than, the, than Augusta national. So there, there's obviously something to that decision. Yeah. Yeah. You sure. Of course, from a layman's point of view, you'd think, well, couldn't we put, uh, couldn't we put uh, 1500 people out there and spread them over 18 holes? And that wouldn't be very much. That'd be a lot of separation, you know, but uh, probably, probably they're doing what's best, and they have to, at this point, really protect the players. When you look at other sports that aren't operating in a bubble and some flare-ups here and there, so I suppose maybe we can tra- talk to our old pals at Trip and Doc Bowden and see what they have to say. I wonder if yeah, Doc, as as unofficial official doctor, might be able to walk the grounds. <laughs> that, that that's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> Somebody might need a treatment out there, you know. That that's very true. <laughs> you know, along that lines, it's it's pretty amazing. I don't. I, I I think there was only one positive test last week in the PGA Championship, and uh, this week at Wyndham, I haven't heard of anybody testing positive. So, the tour is is must be doing something right in their protocols, uh, where they you know there really have been very few positive tests since the restart yeah most of the professional sports are are doing pretty well with it i, I think uh, st louis got certainly a black eye in baseball i mean the rumor was that you know some of their players went to a casino with some of the front office personnel as well and then all of a sudden 13 or 14 guys come down with it. you think you know you there's a reason we tell you to go from the hotel to the ballpark and then back to the hotel right right <laughs> you know we got reasons for this stuff <laughs> yeah i i think uh, that was maybe a wake-up call to all professional sports right there everything everybody's so quick to jump on board chris now i'm sure morikawa is probably the favorite in the next three majors and uh, you know it takes one one great or two great rounds of golf or any sport now, and then all of a sudden you're on top of the world. But I'm very much reminded of Spieth with Morikawa. They said, you know, this kid's going to be here for years. He could win. I, I was listening to a talking head. Somebody said, you know, X amount of majors, uh, 
you know, seem like they're bound to happen. And I think this is exactly how Spieth looked. Totally in control. Young guy. Bursts on the, on the scene. Wins three majors in no time. And then uh, gets a case of the nerves at about age 23, extraordinarily. And really hasn't been able to shake it. Yeah. It, it, it's so hard to stay on top of the game for you know extended period of time and there's there's ups and downs and if you look at uh jack nicholas's career he had a, a period of six or seven years where you know he played terribly and then comes back and went you know and wins two or three majors and two majors in the same season yeah uh they're in the in, in the uh, early 80s uh, and then kind of has a dry dry spell again but um you know it, it's 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 very the game is so hard and it's uh difficult to sustain that level of play over uh such an extended period and another one one of the reasons why tiger i mean the, you know his when you look at his record and uh over a you know 15 16 year period how good he played over that time yeah if you, yeah. If you wouldn't have been if you wouldn't have sustained all the injuries that he did what you know how how, how much longer would it be run with that? So Yeah, exactly. And Jack said that he's said it many times. He's the elder sp- uh, spokesman of golf now. But if you think of Arnie's career, Arnie was certainly good enough to still win into the 70s, and he had a lot of game. But uh, at that time, he was you know one of the more successful businessmen in the country. Jack kind of ran into the same thing. They both raised in families. And yeah. uh, Jack always said, well, yeah, Tiger might break my records, but let's see what happens when, you know, he's he's running corporations and he's got a family, and it's not not the same life as when you're out there just trying to win golf tournaments. And uh, oh, and right. Tiger was as focused as anybody on that. So, uh, and and who knows, you know, Morikawa just made two million bucks. He might be spending some of that this week. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. <laughs> That's. That's a pretty good day at the office. That's well, a very good day at the office. <laughs> one other thing came out of the week. Uh, uh, Brooks uh, Kepka is an outspoken guy, has been, and uh, now it seems like he's got a little flare-up with his longtime buddy Dustin Johnson and uh, kind of made uh, a point that, you know, he was behind DJ, but uh, DJ's just got the one major and I've got four, and... Uh, Golf's so unused to the, those kind of comments. I, I don't mind it at all, really. What's wrong with a little competitive uh, back and forth between athletes? Uh, but <laughs> it seems like Kepka's getting a lot of pushback from uh, people on the PGA on this deal. Yeah, gosh. I uh, I, I, I like it as well. I mean, it, 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 creates a, uh, it creates something to talk about in golf and nothing wrong with a little competitiveness and, and a little rivalry at uh, – um, you know, I think people were surprised that uh, you know that you know everybody thinks of uh, those two as such great friends, and I, I don't I don't really know if they are or not. But uh, they used to be. <laughs> uh, yeah, you know, I, I think they were you know they were workout partners and that type of thing. But uh, uh, nothing wrong with a little competitiveness and uh, a little trash talk, and uh, certainly. Uh, uh, Brooks didn't back up his comments on Sunday. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and, and he even said that. He had an interview in Golf Week with uh, Iman Lynch. You probably read it, but he said basically the same thing. He said, obviously, did you get a lot of pressure? Did you put a lot of pressure on yourself by making those comments? And Kepka said, obviously, a lot came from it. 
I don't mind pressure of that stuff. I put pressure on myself uh, more than anything. At the same time, I didn't back it up, and that's my problem. So, yeah, he he says, well, yeah, if you're going to be cocky and come off as arrogant, then it backfires. (laughs) You know, people love to point fingers at that point. And one of the things you're going to get from Brooks is you're going to get a – he's going to tell the truth. Uh, and he, he doesn't sugarcoat anything, which is nice. It's refreshing to hear that uh, as compared to some some of these guys who are just you – know, you, you never get a, a true answer from him. It's just the stock answer to every question. Yeah. Now we get a couple guys out there because DeChambeau is a, a little bit of a wild hair, and I think that's okay too. And. Well, frankly, he was right there. He's what he was one of the guys that finished ten under, I think. So, yeah, he was right there in a major. And uh, I thought an interesting stat that week. They were coming down the maybe the tenth hole or something on Sunday, and uh, Cameron Champ was like seven yards ahead of uh, DeChambeau on the weekly average for for drive off the tee. So, so DeChambeau yeah, wasn't the longest. No. Um... Gosh, Champ hits it so long, and actually, he he he's he picked up some distance the last couple of weeks. Uh, his teacher is Sean Foley, and they talked about you know he uh, for him not trying to swing so hard, and his club head speed actually increased, which is a good lesson for all of us. Okay, yeah, uh, you know it. Uh, uh, it's you know speed and force are not the same thing, and so many times we we try to you know swing harder rather than faster and uh with, with, with champ doing that he i think he picked up three or four miles on club head speed from where he'd been at and, and was hitting it you know, he's so long anyway he was hitting it longer so pretty cool stuff golf calendar just jam-packed chris at the uh, professional level for the next uh what uh, for the next two months at least yeah, you know it's it's so. Interesting. We've got the Wyndham Championship this week. We've got two events in the FedEx Cup, then the Tour Championship, uh, and then a the new season starts with with the the Safeway out in California, and then the following week we've got the U.S. Open. So it's um, the, the really the golf season's really just ramping up. <laughs> Do we want to mention, Chris, a couple things you guys have got going out at Craigans? Uh, uh, a lot of uh, youth and kind of a fun, uh, a fun uh, parent youth uh, situation you've got going for the first time this year too. Yeah, it's hard to believe we're already talking about fall, but uh, uh, we've got some great programs in, in September here. We've got a new deal that we're doing, uh, Parent Child League. So it's um, it's going to be played on our, on the par three golf course. So, uh, parent and child or grandparent and child uh, two-person scramble four Saturdays in September starting September 12th uh, we'll do nine nine o'clock tea times on those Saturdays and then we've got uh, our fall junior league which is on uh, uh, Monday and Wednesdays starting the first week in September and then our our high for high performance fall program which is really geared towards uh, middle school and high school players and um, it's a real neat program we've done the last couple of years where we, we split the time between uh, doing a lot of stuff on the golf course and uh, and then some, some skill skill days really focused around the short game and um, we've had some great su- success with kids kind of making leaps in their games 
with better course management and better short games. And uh, some openings still on these events, Chris? Yeah, we're just getting getting them started promoting them, so uh, plenty of openings in all of them, and I'm sure they'll, uh, based on what's going on this year, they'll fill up pretty quick. Then your private lessons with all the rest of us, otherwise you're not doing anything, Chris. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Good show, my friend. Thank you. Thank you, Mac. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.